They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bad Boy, bye, bye, bye. What you gonna do when they come for you? Wait a minute, have, have we not, well, have we not got the song yet? Have we not got the rights yet? The guy won't respond to me. I've got... <laughs> oh no! So I've got the phone number for Inner Circle, and I keep on WhatsApping them, and they've never replied to a WhatsApp, but they read every single WhatsApp, and I've been using my normal um, strategy of just... I was going to from... say, what, what strategy? Is it like slightly serious, and then, hey guys, no. and then... And then... Or have you gone straight in for the straight in full on enthusiasm from the very start? It's my it's my go to. Where have you referenced cops though at all? I well I it, I emailed them, but I don't know if the email went through. So I then messaged them to begin with, saying, "Hey, in case the email hasn't come through." But I now don't know if he's read the email, and therefore I can't intro now the full content of what was in the email. <laughs> That's always so, the issue, isn't it? When you send multiple <laughs> messages, you're like, I can't, I don't know whether I can reference other messages. So welcome, listener. If this doesn't make any sense to you, it's because um, we, on a previous podcast, we talked about changing our theme tune, um, specifically as a result of the uh, taking off the air of the uh, Cops TV series, um, which had um, Bad Boys by Inner Circle as its theme tune. Yeah. Um, we absolutely love Pato Banton and Baby Come Back. It's just, it feels as though that's the song that's sung at us most or sung at event stuff. So if there was a chance we could have that as a as a as another theme tune, that would be good. So we thought it's a perfect opportunity, you know, because they're obviously, you know. Um, they're ready for a comeback tour. <laughs> they're ready for a comeback. They're they just ready. need a bit of promotion. They not being embarrassed enough by cops being associated with that. They thought, I know what we will do in order to improve our reputation is to have bad boy running associated with our song. Who do you reckon Cash did more from, do you think they made more from the theme tune of Cops or the Rembrandt's theme tune of, of Friends? Oh, the Rembrandt's must have made so much more. It depends. I wonder whether Rembrandt's got like Every time you rewatch it on Netflix, or whether yeah, it's just they, maybe they got a hundred quid up front. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Did they get? Did they get stiffed? Did they go, look, guys, this is going to be great exposure for you. There's this new series coming. Out. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's like it, it's like six friends or something who live in New York, and they're like, it sounds like it's going to last a season or something. But guys, we're going to get your music when you get, you know, you you do this, you may get on, you know, this is the launch. Like Dawson's Creek or something like that. Yeah. afterwards. you know, you your second single is going to be massive. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And you don't worry. Don't worry. You don't even have to put out that good a song because, you know, you put out this song and it won't be like the one hit that everyone remembers you from. Yeah. Uh, that won't but, even be remembered as your hit, but just as a theme tune to another series. Add uh, clapping. Won't even be Always add clapping. Make sure you add clapping into it. <laughs> that's, no, very, that's a very white thing, isn't it? Like who, uh, or, or very like religious thing. Who adds clapping to it? 
like sometimes they want to, you want to break something up. You add a little bit of a dance to it, or or, or you know, in like the mid '90s, someone added a little bit of like white rap. One time, or, two time. Well, no, that's yeah. all, that, I think that's all right. But like when you have like Madonna trying to rap, you're like, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Let's not do that again, Madonna. Um, oh, you know, and you try and break it up like that. It's a very like having a clapping section um, is. Yeah, so I think we could introduce a religious. clapping section to the podcast. I like the idea bad of. Boy, bad boy, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Come for you? No, it's just there's something so naff about it. Maybe I can suggest it to them. <laughs> there's something. Na- there's something. There's something like, okay, what we're, what we're going to do, we're going to add a clapping section because whenever we go to gigs, we don't want our audience um, miss-singing our song. So we're going to allow them to participate by giving them something to clap along to. There's nothing worse than, there's nothing worse than listening to a song and then having the audience start clapping because literally within about three seconds, they're, they're clapping out of time from the thing. It must be awful as a performer to have an audience clapping at you or completely in the, in, in the wrong time. Yeah, I'm at, well, linking into that, have, have you seen who we've just booked as a future guest? As a future guest, what, on, on the podcast? Oh, I have totally misunderstood that message. <laughs> You booked him for your wedding. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. That's the next step. That's step two. Oh, I totally misunderstood. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah. So, do bad is if you if you're a fan of the darkness, we're going to be having Justin Hawkins on the show. Hopefully. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yep. So we've had, we've had a few um, uh, possible dalliances with with singers coming on the podcast <laughs> before, haven't we? DJ Locksmith, where are you? We're still waiting <laughs> for that rudimental. <laughs> but I, 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 I can't. I, there's, I think Brian Blessed would possibly be the only other guest that I'd be as excited about because Justin Hawkins is so funny. If you, if you listen to him on other podcasts or just if you go to his gigs, he's a stand-up comedian from start to finish. He's amazing. Oh, really? Yeah there's, a, there's yeah, there's a big there's a big crossover between uh, musical performance and stand up, isn't there? Mm. I'm watching, I don't know what it is. I, recently, I've been, and it, this is completely inspired by the fact that when I was doing the um, accumulator, I was listening to uh, a lot more podcasts because um, I don't tend to listen. Yeah, to in, in those in those in those four miles of running that yeah. you you got up to. Well, no, you listen to. <laughs> to a joe rogan podcast and it lasts for like the week like with the <laughs> with the amount that you know with the sort of the distances you're doing so like a joe rogan podcast like the joe rogan podcast with um, with russell brand was like three three and a half hours so it lasted the whole week i, I oh, kind of got God. fed up with it yeah um but it was quite good and then i listened to one with uh, him talking to um oh, i can't remember his name now someone else <laughs> what's his name um bill meyer Bill Meyer, okay. Bill Meyer, yeah. Um, and then, and then that got me onto watching, basically, just watching pretty much everything by Dave Chappelle, because they started talking about that, which I didn't, you know, didn't know about that mo- time where the the Chappelle show was like at the height of its success, and Comedy Central um, were 
basically said, you know, fourth season or whatever, we give you 50 million. And he walked away from it. And he walked away million. from it. 50 million dollars to do it. And he walked away from it. And he walked away from the entire, um, uh, entire business of stand up for like 12 are they, years. Are they still looking for a Dave to, to do it? <laughs> I think I think there is talk about bringing like Chappelle show back without Dave Chappelle. It's like it's <laughs> insane. It's like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Shave Hell. Yeah, that should be that's what it should be. But um, but yeah, but I thought it was, I, I that particular thing was really interesting about why he did that. Um, why you know someone's at the top, height of their fame and and they just decide to this you know because he he was like insanely good like uh, like he was. He was going to like comedy clubs when he was like 14. His mum was like sitting in the back, like, you know, driving him to, after working a whole day's work, you know, driving him to comedy clubs. And, you know, I mean, that is, like, there's something quite freaky about a 14 year old at a stand up club. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, like proper, proper prodigy and stuff like that. And then just gives, like, gives it up for 12 years and then comes back. And basically, Netflix goes, here is $60 million to record three specials. Wow, it's not bad, is it? I mean, like, that's the thing. How many people do you think, oh, if I was out of my profession for 12 years? So he's, he's, he's gained a million a year yeah, on his my, original offer. Would my reputation and my talent be so good that I could take a 12-year break without doing anything at all and just come straight back and do it? I mean, I like to think that if we, if we stop the podcast, in 10 years' time, we'll be able to do pre-podcast again without it. <laughs> you know. We'd come back and we'd be we're like... Not, we're not going to get down in value. Most of the, <laughs> it wouldn't change. I, I think actually you can guarantee that about this podcast. It doesn't matter how, how long it goes. We're like Bon Jovi. None of this is ever going to change. Like what, once we... Once, like the stories won't change. The style won't change. It's not going to become anything more than it with, is in terms of the, you know, the, the structure of it. With the double denim of the running world. <laughs> the double denim and the perm. Of the, yeah. It's like we've got a perm. We've cut it shorter so you can't tell it's a perm. But it's still a perm. No. Now... Uh, have you have you been seeing the records that have been falling recently? <laughs> I know. Are we talking about? Are we talking about another marathon investigation? Oh man, the, we are. We well, actually, firstly, the, I mean, there's been so many crazy attempts on FKTs, um, but do we? Do I? Okay, here's a. <laughs> so that was that was a clap. That was a salute to John Kelly. Oh, I thought we were starting doing clapping in the middle of it. We're trying to get the audience. To... Come on, audience, join in. Clap, even if you're driving. Come on, here we go. Um, uh, uh, what's our thought about FKTs now? Because we were we were very dismissive about FKTs when they first started, and now and now literally it seems to be. You know, like when we haven't had like you know people haven't had, people haven't had football um, for for ages and ages. And so they're like, oh, we really miss football. And so all of a sudden there's a game like Brentford versus Wickham, which has got like three million people watching it because it's kind of like people are desperate for football. Any football doesn't mean how bad the football is. Or they're watching the Belarusian League because they're the only ones who've decided not to lock down. So you're watching anything you can. Is that what FKTs are in lockdown? We're just going, it's just any kind of competition or interest in running at all. Someone doing an FKT. Well, Will it I go think... back to being just who cares? 
think they're big enough now like because my my issue with fkts is it was essentially just a, a strava segment that people wanted to claim to get publicity for themselves whereas the fkts people have been doing i think an fkt needs to be a minimum distance because the pennine way when you look at that you're like bloody hell that so john john um he asked me for some help with some runners and he wasn't he didn't want to publicize that he was doing it too much because of you know lockdown and things like that and uh i didn't realize so i helped him get some runners in the peak district but i didn't realize it went all the way up to newcastle <laughs> crazy um yeah i'd have helped him out a bit more if i'd have known that but i'm, I'm being taught geography by an american in the country <laughs> about my own where, country where did you think the pennine way went you can I, follow it in a line <laughs> I just thought it went through the peaks and then kind of gave up. But no, it doesn't doesn't stop. But that's the thing. <laughs> Having at- Imagine you doing the spine, you'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is it, isn't it? I finished. What? <laughs> oh, this is the first checkpoint. What? <laughs> but um following um FK following FT FTGFB. Yes. His his record that was then taken within a week, Damien Hall is already on the Pennine Way, going for the FKT. Oh yeah, which has got to be. I mean, that's got to be gutting. I don't know if he'll do it because John was pretty impressive, but to do an FKT of that that scale, because I mean, how many hundreds of miles is it? It's quite a few hundred, and yeah. then to find out already within the week that someone else. The thing is about the FKT is that it's not like a race where everyone's racing against each other and they're all racing in the same conditions. Mm. The problem with an FKT, and I suppose the I suppose the Bob Graham round is an FKT, isn't it? That essentially, it's probably one of the most famous FKTs that that, that you have. I, um, I guess it is. In uh, other than people haven't really raced it for the fastest time, it's more of a it's more of a benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is that you can have FKTs, you know, and the whole thing about, you know, supported versus unsupported and, and, and stuff like that. You can have, you know, or paced versus not paid. I don't know. I don't know how it's split. But one person's attempt can be so different from another person's attempt. It's really difficult mm. to see how, you know, how, how you would even compare the things. I think at least if you're in a race, you are, um, you know, you're, you're all working on equal an equal footing. That's the whole point. That's that's how that's why a race works so well. It's a really whereas if you, you know you you do an FKT in like the dead you know the Pennine Way in the like dead of winter compared with you know the height of summer, you're like well you can't compare the two. It's it's completely different. Uh, and well, so what is the what, what uh, how, how do you how do you how do you define it? Do you, do you say okay well you know in these conditions. Um, this FKT uh, is it, it stands because they do that with um, um, uh, uh, your marathon records, don't they? If the if the conditions are too favourable, um, they? They, they add a they add a handicap to it, don't they? Oh, yeah. I don't know the exact rules on what. It, what, it what can't descend do? too much, and yeah, that's that's a big one. If you isn't there something about the wind conditions? If the wind conditions are behind you or something like that, or I, I, I know in athletics, I don't know about a marathon because I, I think it's quite hard to find a marathon where you would be tailwind the whole way, because uh, typically you go out in in and out of a city. 
although you know somewhere like london marathon you are mainly heading west so it could be that if there's a a westerly wind that that really helps but But yeah so 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 how i mean that's the that's the thing about it isn't it how do you how do you create a level playing field with fkts for them to be meaningful? yeah because then people can attempt it at any time can't they so and also with with an fkt that's five days you and we we also had Sabrina taking on the Wainwrights, um, and you're, you're just going to get bad weather at some point. Well, that's the thing. I think yeah, over over a longer distance, I think the um, it, it evens itself out, doesn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like in the in the lakes, like their weather is pretty samey. Like very rarely will you have like five days of of uninterrupted sunshine mm. or something, apart from you know when the uh, uh, Killian did bloody Bob Graham round, like <laughs> the, yeah. the best weather ever. Um, but you know, but, you know, so I suppose you know, it, it, I I'm I'm still unsure as to what um, the point of them are. Well, I, I like. Oh, well, no, it's not that. I don't. I know what the point is. I just I, yeah. I find I I find it very difficult to get excited about them in any way. I think the Pennines Way though is so big and so long. Anything that's over kind of two hundred miles. And then I think that deserves respect. No, I think so. I, I do think that. I think especially with the longer ones. That, that. But John, John was saying that he's been struggling to get out of bed. He's been, he said it's the hardest thing he's ever done. And if you think the state he's been at at the end of some of those Barclays, yeah. the, like the, the state of him in the documentary, the year that he, I think, got to three, four, four laps, was it? And yet he's... Yet, we're going to get him on the potty in a, in a few weeks' time to talk about it, but it's, this, it's that next level that people have done in the, like sporadically, but actually there isn't really any real expertise on racing over so many days straight. Yeah, There is pro- probably more in adventure racing, but then you're in a team and you've got variable yeah. sports. So that's what's interesting about this, because um, Corey as well, um, who's on the potty, he, he set a massive FKT in the States. And that that's another one that's been getting quite a lot of press, mainly because he ate tacos or something. You know, it's, it's, it's always, if you want to get in the press, just say, <laughs> I did this. Beer and, and I tacos ate fast food are the, or, the ones yeah. that, you, that, that they love. But, um, yeah, and sabrina she was going for the overall wainwright records and she did incredibly well and what i love about her when she didn't get the record the first thing she posted well she posted immediately in the fell running group saying i'm not claiming the uh, the women's record because someone helped me on one of these hills and i think it made me quicker and you've, i just love the fact that she's so open about that because over the course of five, six days, however long it takes, she's had hardly any assistance whatsoever. And I don't know if, if anyone would know it, that she had some, but the fact that she just like, straight away offered that up, such a good sportsmanship, such good sportsmanship. Would someone have, would someone have whistleblown on it, though? I don't think so, no. And... and it, there, there is. I don't think there. I don't think a woman's actually done them all before. Might be wrong on that. And so, you know, whatever happens, she would be getting some kind of record. But it shows her ambition. I, I think she 
uh, and I'm and I'm just just, just conjectured now. I don't, don't actually know this, but um, I imagine she's actually just disappointed more than anything else not to get the overall record, which is great. The fact How that far she's, off was she? she she was on track for quite a few days, and then her I think her knee started playing. She ended up within twelve or thirteen hours off the top of my head of the record, which. Seems like a lot, but she she really struggled towards the end because of the injury. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. She she was going for a long time injured, which you've got to wonder whether it's such a big attempt, whether she'd be up for it again or not. We're trying to get on the potty to do it. Um, I, I'm not sure if we'll be able to get her on, as we mentioned last week, because she can't be asked. But <laughs> we'll hopefully get her the running I like, show. I like this not. attitude. John Kelly can't get out of bed. <laughs> can't be asked. Like it's a quite, it's quite, it's quite refreshing. Well, no, actually, it's not refreshing. It's quite awkward because you just think, oh, well, you know, I would be able to do this, but I can't be asked. And this is the sort of thing they do when they can't be asked. It doesn't. It it, it it's dragging <laughs> yeah. down the standards of not being asked um, well, to do stuff. Know, well, you know, we, we talked about John Album there, his, his taking injury. You know, did I tell you he's on sick pay? Really? Yeah. So the because he's a professional athlete in Norway, then he he's allowed to take statutory sick pay and paid leave for, to treat his injury, which is amazing. Never thought about it that professional athletes would get that, but yeah. I mean, he would have paid a huge amount of tax his winnings and things because he when he moved over there he if he was in the uk he'd have kept all of his winnings because if you win prize money is not taxed and over but over in norway yeah they're taking a huge chunk out of it so yeah too damn right he's getting a bit of sick pay oh wow have you have you thought about getting sick pay <laughs> i was asking john like what would it take <laughs> <laughs> Would, would anyone believe that I'm a professional athlete? <laughs> but you were saying about different conditions, because a few weeks ago, did you see the inspirational games on the um, BBC? Oh. Inspiration games. Yes, yes. Is this, I know what you're going now with this. There's, some, there's been a lot of really interesting stuff and mistakes and things like that. Are you talking about the... Um, did a so bit the, of Manche- Manchester Marathon on it, or a Brighton Half on it, on the, on the race. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Oh, the oh, the distance. Yes. So, I mean, firstly, <laughs> set a one hundred meters world record, but there was just one tiny problem. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's it just it's just really interesting to see that. I mean, the camera work was terrible, but to be to see people racing in in their home conditions and side by side, so they don't have to actually leave the state. But yeah, poor Noel uh, Noel Lyles. I think he I think he realised when he came in that he hadn't just broken the 200 meter world records 200 meters, like, yeah. yeah but <laughs> he started on the 185 meter mark somehow <laughs> which i've got no idea how you can do that because it's if you know a track and even if you don't know a track you you can see where they all are and it just feels it would feel immediately wrong but really interesting that they've tried it and i don't know whether it'll continue again in the future because it's I mean, in some ways, it could be great because it's so efficient that you can get race after race. Isn't it like, As you, it's like, a, it's like a, a sort of an athletics version of Peloton. Yeah, yeah, a real-life version of Peloton. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. They, they, for some reason, they were changing all the distances. 
say that a lot of people were running 300s. They were, they were doing new people were going for distances they wouldn't normally race, which is Why? quite strange. Why did they do that? I don't know. I'm, I, but, do you know I, what? A while back, a while back, I, I wanted to ask you this question. A while back, that um, at Frieda's school, hmm. they were doing 300 meter races, and I was going to say to you, why? Is is there any reason for that? Why would someone do a 300? What a bizarre distance to do. Was like it, 200 meters or 400 meters? But what, was was there any precedence in sort of athletics for for doing 300 meters or a step up or anything else like that? Or no, just... not that I know of. I mean the We've always talked about the 300 from way back when John Regis was a 200 meter runner who ran in our four by four and be like, wouldn't it be great if there's a 300? But sometimes there are, there's the odd track that is shorter. So it could be that, so for example, the one in Regent's Park, I think is only 300 meters. So it might be that, it is, have they got a full size 400 meter track there? Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. They got a full, yeah full track, so don't make sense why you do three hundred meters. It just it didn't it didn't make any yeah. sense at the time. But I thought maybe there is some kind of there's there's a thought behind it. Maybe they didn't want to they didn't have time to do two and the four hundred, so they did one. Or but there was this weird thing at school that I think we talked about previously when I was at school that girls weren't allowed to run the four hundred because it was seen as too hard, um, and maybe there's some weird hangover. The 400 is, I mean, just think about the 400 is a horrible distance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is horrible. It's horrible about 150 metres in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, it's just a horrible distance. You don't realise how horrible it is. But that actually, do you know what? We have, there's so much to talk about because I've just, I, I don't want to, I, I, know, I know where we're heading with, with, with this one, but it's just made me think about the news that came out about the um, England athletics and the fact that there was all that controversy over uh, 5k <laughs> men's races. I thought what that was, was that? quite what, funny. What, what, what was it? Was that, was that runner's world misreporting it? I'm still not hundred percent uh, clear what that happened. Because they changed the headline on it. And like, are they saying that you can only do 5k races if you can run 5k under 15, which would happen to exclude women? Because very few, or uh, which you know, the, the decision makes it sexist because not many women run under fifty. Or were they explicitly saying because of this, women won't run? I could, I read that multiple times, and I still had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what, my, what what was being said. Yeah, my understanding is that they they made said rules that you shouldn't be with people for more than fifteen minutes, like in close proximity. And so that was the line that was drawn. And actually, I think we've all got to be understanding of lots and lots of situations in COVID because they're having to draw lines. Like when, when I go to the pub, this, this one pub, I have to wear a face mask, to walk from the door to my table, and then everyone s sits without their face mask. And you think, this is, a, this is a stupid rule. But then someone's you know people are making weird decisions where they're making these arbitrary they're having to draw a line well they're making well, they guess, yeah we're not used to this people are just like, like i think there's a point at which people are like well we don't you know this isn't normal so yeah we're be thinking some, on the fly there's going to be a lot of missteps i think everyone everyone yeah. wants there to be a fully defined set of rules that act perfectly and logically throughout the entire time you're like we're we're not in that space yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> 
oh, there's so much confusion. Yeah, there's going to be because yeah. everything is weird. Like, why can why he can't... get his hair cut? And yeah, yet, why, why can't, I can't I do this why with... Why tattoo, but you're allowed to go to the pub? <laughs> you're like, well... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they... I, I think the guidance was set out, and because of that, then this other group, the, I can't remember the name of, the Myler Clubs or something, then said, well, we can only do things less than 15 minutes, which means we can do the 800, we can do the 1500, we can do the, ah, we can only do the 5K for the men, at which point there was uproar. <laughs> and I, I, I don't even think that this was being... It, was, it wasn't even suggested that this was being rolled out nationwide to thousands of events. I think it was just for this, potentially for the, the British Championship or something similar. And um, I, I feel pretty sorry for them as an organization because they're clearly just trying to be pragmatic and have gone, right, oh, these, this is the rules, this is what's... Um, what, what, so you don't, think, you don't think it was an imposition of... Uh, the patriarchy fighting back through the medium of 5k regulation <laughs> but there's gonna be you know there's gonna be some old boy who's 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 probably just he he deleted out one of the words or he deleted out without thinking it through just put it out and then saw all hell break loose <laughs> and uh, i mean i i think we've got to be a bit more understanding and yeah we absolutely want equality in everything but we also, I, I, it did feel like there was too much heat coming <laughs> for what was just a... The thing know. is, I think like anything to do with England athletics or uh, athletics clubs, stuff like that, I think you just have to get the fact is that they're so, they're run on such an amateurish level for them to have this, this level of understanding as to how, like the optics of anything. It's just, I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I don't think there's any malice there at all. It's just someone going, well, of course, like it only applies to men because women don't run far enough without thinking what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it does. I, and I suppose that is a product of it being, you know, mainly dominated by men. Um, yeah, but, but the, it, it does leave a strange. The, the, the broadening out of it to, to like the, the vitriol, literally seconds after the thing was posted, <laughs> was incredible. You'd have thought, you'd have thought they were literally calling women to to, to marched, you know, it, like to to like prison camps or something like that. It was like it was insane. <laughs> But um, actually, something else I saw that was quite interesting. There, there's apparently quite a lot of Nike sprinters have been turning up to random races and right. just racing. So, for example, LeSean Merritt ran the 300 metres um, and finished last in a heat. And, and apparently, in their contracts, they have appearance-related fees. And so they need to be racing so many times a year. And so a lot of them are thinking, Christ, I need to just do a race no matter what. Which is really interesting that they, they, they feel that they have to. You'd think that Nike would say, guys, we understand you're in lockdown. Don't turn. But yeah, they're, 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 they're turning up and coming last in some races or just doing a, a distance what that they, they've never. coming last? Well, just because they they can't be asked, like what if you're if you're not match fit, oh, right, yeah, and you, okay, and you okay. turn up to a three hundred meter race, do you want to 
you do you want to be there busting your balls and getting a, a bad time? It's just gonna sully your 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 reputation, really. Um, but it's strange though that they're still having to do these races, um, and I, I I I guess that means they get paid because of it. Um, for going last in 300 meters. I mean, I, I could happily do that. Imagine that but... you looked out. So, what's your race? What's your you know, your race roster look like this year? Let's have a let's have a look at it. Wouldn't that be great? Your local sports day suddenly. What? Sean Merritt, the Sean yeah. Merritt turns up. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, it's like the the video for um, Roots Maneuver. <laughs> Witness the fitness. Have you seen that? No, I've not seen the video for that. What? Oh, how have we not talked about this? I mean. Too bad is if you don't know um, if you don't know this video, get online now and watch it. Roots Maneuver is amazing anyway. What he's a great, fitness, great the fitness. Uh, uh, uh. So he goes back to his primary school, the, the genuine one he went to when he was younger, and um, he takes part in their school sports day and thrashes everyone at everything, <laughs> <laughs> and the kids get really annoyed. It's brilliant video, and he's there lording it up like, yeah, <laughs> getting all the trophies. It's really fun, really fun. He's such a legend, and it's a great tune as well. Um, so yeah, it reminds me of that. Um, I think I think we've we've talked about um, unusual distances and um, people getting distances wrong, um, and so I think we need to talk about a um, hundred marathons under lockdown. Um, oh man! And uh, and Derek from uh, Marathon Investigations' latest uh, latest finding, which oh, this is this is brutal. This well, is sad. You... This is kind of sad, isn't it? Because I think I, I I read um I read Derek's report. So essentially, um, there's a guy who um done a hundred marathon, claimed to do a hundred marathons in his living room, uh, or the majority in his living room under lockdown, running around his front room. Um, and he raised a bunch of money for the NHS, um, won a Pride of Britain award, um, you know, got loads of press about it, stuff like that. And then, of course, people start questioning it and stuff like that. And, you know, it, you know, it does the usual thing to make that makes you look um, completely transparent and open by blocking mm. people and ignoring them. Um, and then, you know, Derek from Marathon Investigations gets involved and asks for, like, the data and stuff like that. And then, uh, and, you know, he's put up a... Um, a post about it, which I think I think is very balanced and neutral, considering mm. you know it, it, the um, some of his investigations have uh, resulted in um, yeah, suicide, uh, suicide. Yeah, I was going to yeah. try and say that in a more diplomat diplomatic way. Yeah. Um, and I thought he's quite quite balanced about it, and I think he kind of comes to the conclusion that from the majority of the time that this the the guy genuinely thought he was running distances but you know the fact it had this indoor mode or whatever on his on his garmin didn't work properly i mean he went to this thing i mean like, you've got to admire like derek the length i mean like what the fuck mm. did derek do all day like literally <laughs> he was he was he was got the measurements of the guy's rug so he could see him <laughs> running around the fucking rug and then you know like it's like what the fuck derek like come on you must have something better to do than this <laughs> but i i just feel really sorry for this guy because he... If you're not if you're not inculcated in this environment whereby you know now everyone is shit hot on on mm. you doing any even if you do Unclaimed. a fucking fun run and you get on a bike for a bit, bit of a joke halfway through and you know you do and then people <laughs> will be like oh like someone cheated blah 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 you know I fully expect at some point 
Derek to or, or someone to show you up for the hundred meters of the beer lovers two years ago that you performed on the, on the electric scooter. <laughs> it's more than two hundred meters. I fully expect some CCTV footage to, to be written and them to be getting in contact uh, with, the, with the organizers and striking your name from the record of that one because because that's kind of the, but so if you're kind of new and he was he was. It did seem that he was new to running. Oh, completely. Uh, you know, and, and just thought this, you know, obviously seen other people do it and thought he was doing something good. And um, and it, the, the problem is, you know, it, it, it's the pressure. So you get caught in something. Yeah, is that, is that, is that, what, that sudden realisation of... Because I, I think he knows. I mean... His, I think he does know deep down now yeah. that the distance isn't quite right. But the reality is, if he'd have said... Every day, I'm going to run approximately approximately a marathon in my front lounge. That's what he's done, right? And yeah. he's, he's taking hours and hours. It's, and he, he wasn't a healthy, you know, wasn't a fit guy before. And he's bloody doing it. But it's, it's incredible to see. But just because he, he didn't say approximately a marathon, because he said a marathon a day, suddenly... Everyone is is getting up in his grill and being really aggressive with him because you've got to remember this is someone who's not from the running community. And I actually left him quite a few voice messages um, on his his Facebook just to tr- just to kind of like give him some support, but explain the context and say look, this is why people are are trying to get get specifics is because of things like Robbie. Try to explain it all, but it's quite hard to actually explain. And it's, it's, I was almost embarrassed by by the running community, but not, you know, for, for just instantly trying to tear down someone who's trying to do something good. And yeah. it's not, he's not claiming records. I mean, he is, he's doing a lot of self-publicity, but that's part of charity raising. And, and why not? He's, he's running around his living room for five hours a day. Yeah. I've, Every day. Yeah, you don't, the thing is, I've not seen Marathon Investigation um, uh, questioning Colonel Tom. Have you? <laughs> and, and his, 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 has he completed full laps of his garden? Yeah, and it's, it's, just, it's just weird that I don't know why Asif has to prove that it's, it's exactly a marathon, because that's not the point of what he's doing. No, no, you're absolutely right. I think if it's a bit different, isn't it, if you're on a, yeah. a race or an FKT or, or something like that. But you just people yeah. are just desperate, just utterly desperate to, to destroy him. Yeah, and, and even, you know... Even the guy, remember the guy a while back who, who thought he would run the fastest 5K in history <laughs> or something like that? I mean, like, he was he was totally harmless. Like, it, yeah. Like, and just he was going, oh, maybe I should be in the Olympics. I'm like, uh, he wasn't even claiming any records or anything. He was just saying that he's run really fast and, and that kind of got out of control. Yeah, it's, it's strange. It, I, I just wonder what drives this anger. If it's, uh, you know, if people feel that they're or not justice. being... Injustice. Yeah. Or... But, what, but that's got to come from somewhere, right? Is, is it a feeling that you've not been recognised? Or that well, is it... Be. A feeling that it's watering down your achievements. It's, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. It, it, is, it is actually doing that. It is, it is watering down. But then the reality is that the public have a massive misconception about what endurance is. 
and it is possible to walk a marathon every day for most people yeah. um, if you do it slow enough. But people don't realize that. And so people are amazed by some achievements that are, you know, are, are within reach. It goes, I mean, it goes, to, it goes to show, doesn't it? Like, you know, as, as um, immersed as we are within talking about marathons, ultras and things like that, the, you know, the majority of the British population, majority of the population, you know, think a marathon is still something that is highly unattainable. It's mm. such, you know, it is the, the absolute definition of, you know, human peak performance and, you know, and actually, yeah, actually, like, it's doable for most people, um, you know, like today, like most people, if they had to, if you had to cover a marathon distance, you'd be able to do it. You know, yeah. That, that's, yeah. That, that, that's not, that's the issue. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it captures people's imaginations in the same way that, you know, doing a 5k every day, um, <laughs> I mean, has he been investigated to make sure he's done a 5k every day? I'm not sure he has. I'm not sure he has. I love it. It was all fake. <laughs> he doesn't even oh have music God. on. He doesn't even have music on in his derp cans. That it's was... just... <laughs> yes, it's just for show. They're not attached. They're not attached. He's not even from Wigan. He's not even from Wigan. <laughs> he's from bloody Preston. They're lying bastard. <laughs> Everything about it's just a tissue of lies. He wasn't he wasn't raising money for uh, was it for dodgeball? It was for badminton. <laughs> Everything is a lie. But yeah, I, I do I do find it strange though that like why why did Derek feel the need to have to write an article for this guy? And and I just feel sorry for him because imagine imagine the realization because at some point he would have realized that actually what he thought he was doing he wasn't. And he's he's then committed to saying I'm doing a hundred this or however many it was, and that well, must he, just be a horrible moment. Oh well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean that's how do I mean how do you come back from it? Yeah, there's there's no there's there's, there's no way of everyone goes everyone go oh oh you just if you actually put your hands up and you say sorry I was completely wrong and stuff like that and you're like well, that you know that you're 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 showing no real empathy to that person because there's the re there's a reason people don't do that there's a p reason that people mm. plead their innocence all the way to the end and it's yeah. to do with ego and it's to do with um you know pressure on them as well um, oh, God, yeah. and it's to yeah. do you know and I, I, you know what what about all the people that did sponsor him um yeah. you know if they want their money back and the impact he has on a charity and they, they might not be thinking about these things but those all all of those things have to have to be taken into account and that's um, the thing this guy this guy is not a cheat he is definitely not a cheat he's just someone who has been running distances that may or may not be a marathon but the chances are that they're slightly under but you know i take it to anyone who's who is who is criticizing Try running around a coffee table for five hours, six hours in one go and think about doing that 80 days in a row. He you fucking know. got him to measure his rug and send in a photo <laughs> of him measuring his rug. I mean, just at that point, I'd have said to Derek, go fuck yourself, Derek. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I'd like, who, like, who do you think you are? Like, yeah, honestly, like, it's kind of, it's kind of insane. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so I don't. I think running's shit now. Yes, it is. Yeah. Derek's ruined it for everyone. <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> so, uh, Dale, I ask how how are you getting on with the NHS? <laughs> um, 
Um, Giving money to the NHS. They should be, they should be, you know, he's, through running, he's got to be given money to the NHS. The NHS, you told me, you are the highest sports injury priority for them. The head <laughs> of the NHS sports injury um, uh, circus is, is now on your case. What, what has that meant in real terms? Well, I've, I've, I've got a, f- a follow up next week. So. <laughs> oh, I've got, you've got a follow up next week? I've got to oh, wait. Yeah. I've got to wait a week to, for you to answer this question. Well, I've had a scan and then both, both the follow up to the follow up. Yeah. Um, it's, we'll wait and see, wait and see. But, um, yeah, still no change, no change. But maybe next week I'll find out why, but maybe not. Um, well, we'll, both have, we'll both have updates. Both we have will. Updates. Well, what excitement. And next week we can talk about the documentaries to do with cheats. And we talk about a lot about cheats now, don't we? There's been a couple you think you would think that we were obsessed by cheats, but we seem to we we've weirdly positioned ourselves as the champion of cheats. <laughs> <laughs> almost like apologists for cheats. It's like we've tried to like we've tried we've we've taken the <laughs> how the fuck has this happened? We've taken the um like devil's advocate position, and because there are so many cheats. We're coming yeah. down on the side of cheats more than we're not coming down on the side of it because in order to distinguish ourselves from other <laughs> podcasts that are going on about cheats. And so we're in this weird position to go, we love cheats. Cheats are great. We're, we're, we're a big fan of the cheating situation. Have we ever talked about the TV show Cheaters? No. Have you, have you ever seen the TV show Cheaters? No. This was, this was in there. This? this would have been 15 years ago. Oh, so no. we. <laughs> Was it just, oh, wait a minute. Was, was, did it used to just be called cycling? Yeah. Now they just had to rebrand it based on that. It was Tour de France coverage I'm talking about. It's, it's like a more aggressive catfish where they'd, you'd, you'd speak to the, the, the production team and say, hey, I think, I think Stone Soul's piece of trash. They'd be cheating on me. And then... They go and they feel, they follow the person, trail them, and find out they're cheating, and then they confront them about cheating. But, so we got this. We got the presenter on one of our TV shows, and he came on, and he was looking a bit sheepish about some stuff. Turned out in one of the episodes that they 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 actually showed on TV, he goes to confront this guy who's going fishing. He gets in. They get the whole crew in this guy's boat and the guy stabs the presenter and they carry on filming the whole thing <laughs> it's just the wackiest wackiest show so um yeah i'm a big fan of cheaters that is that is good tv <laughs> Libby was talking about um uh, catfishing the other day and saying that oh yeah i just spoken to someone that was catfished and i was like oh Really? Because you don't really hear it that often, do you? And I was like, oh, what mm. happened? He said, oh, yeah, he said that he, um, he met someone and um, uh, you know, started going out with him and very quickly realised that, that, um, that the woman he thought he was going out with was a man. And I'm like... So it was on, all online? No, 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 they've met them. And I'm like, well, that's not catfishing. Catfishing, you can't see them. Like, catfishing is the, is the presentation of a completely different persona. So when you turn up, it turns out it's your mum or it's your best friend or, you know, something like that. Like, it can't be catfishing if you've met the person and see that. That's something entirely different. Well, and isn't the that, question isn't that film? Like, who are you talking about? And she's like, oh, the guy who's a cashier at uh, Sainsbury's. I'm like, 
that's what, how, how did that conversation start? <laughs> what, what, what? That is a long checkout queue, isn't it? What? That is... like, what? And for, for someone for that quickly to share that story with you, <laughs> what led into that? Uh, and what, what did you buy? What was <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, what were they scanning through that triggered that thought? <laughs> well, but that would be a great show. I, I've been watching. There's, there's another. There's another show on Netflix actually um, that I don't know if you've seen. It's a new one. It's called Home Game, and it focuses on different. Um, I've written sports. this down. I've written this down. Oh, have you? Yeah, Calcio Storico. Calcio Storico. My God, what an That's event! Great. That's great. It's, it, Libya's going. Oh, it's just like it's it's ridiculous stuff like that. It's it's American football. That's like it, it. It just explains American football. Oh, it's so much worse than American football. So do bad. Oh no, yeah, it no, it's yet. worse than American football. But there there is a strategy to it. It looks like it's just twenty seven blokes beating the shit out of twenty seven blokes, and it kind of is. But there is also yeah. a strategy to it initially as well. I've watched a few of the matches since. It's that good. So, Dubad, if you've not seen this episode, it's the first one of Home Game. I, I didn't think the rest were actually that good, the I, other episodes. I, I, the one that I wanted to talk about was Catch Fetish. The Catch. wrestling mixed with voodoo in the Congo. I've not seen that one yet. Oh, have you not? It's amazing. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you mix WWE with voodoo. <laughs> This sounds great. It's utterly brilliant. It's it's just so good. There is. Um, Can we take part? Oh, it's just <laughs> they do one fight, and then by the end of it, it's the fight. They're just doing. They're doing all the things you expect in WWE match. All the athleticism, all the drama, stuff like that. And at the end, he turns the other guy into a goat. <laughs> it's just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, you've got to watch that one. It is so good. It is so bizarre. Uh, and it's just weird, like, seeing how W... Because um, what they were saying, in uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, when um, when colonialism ended, yeah, uh, the new leader, I think it was Belgium, wasn't it? Um, like, a horrific time under, under Belgium yeah. and everything. So when they left, um, the leader said, no more Western sports. We won't have any more Western sports. We're just going to promote... Um, uh, you know, local, traditional, things like that. And one guy, like, wrestling was really popular, like, really popular there, um, and created this this hybrid of, you know, this kind of, like, WWE-style wrestling of, like, big soap opera storylines with a load of athleticism, but then blending voodoo into it as well. And so you'll have people doing this, the like, a, a, like a match, and then they'll go, instead of, like, a finishing move, they'll go to the side of the thing, and they'll pick up some bones, and they'll start mixing something up, and then they'll they'll hypnotise them for a bit, and it's, it's just brilliant. It's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just such an, a, like a brilliant combination of something that's already ridiculous, but then just adding the thing. It just turns, the, turns his competitor into a goat at the end <laughs> he's carrying this goat around and people are like yeah this is amazing i think we found our new sport i need i need to be one of those wrestlers did you watch did you watch the one on the roller derby as well um yeah 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 i thought I, I thought of all of them actually that was that was probably the weakest um i like the whole community thing but the speed at which they were going around was so slow you were expecting me like this high I, th- I think it captured that that really well but yeah, like the 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 reality of it wasn't quite as I, I was expecting, like people being punched in the face, and it, mm. just, it wasn't violent enough for me. 
Well, that's because, I mean, the Calcio is, that's got to be the most violent sport there is, right? I don't know. Eaton Wall game can get pretty... Uh... Why don't they not have the Eaton Wall game in there? They might do that. Well, probably too similar, but that's something that they'll... They, they might do in a future episode. But I'd imagine as well, Eaton probably don't like things like that being filmed. <laughs> Why not? Because they like the secretism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but going from, from voodoo science to our next guest. Oh, it's a good link. It's a good link. From voodoo to... Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, voodoo to science. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away, yeah, Nick. Good. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> Hello, new badders. We've got a treat for you tonight. Ben's someone who I've been wanting to get on for, well, pretty much since we started the podcast, potentially, about three, four, five years ago. Um, he is best described, well, actually, in terms of people we've had on, he's one of the people who's got the, the broadest background, whether that's um, biohacker, Ironman um, medalist for the USA, or a CrossFitter, personal trainer of the year, world time book writer. Pretty much, well, you're a busy man, Ben, so welcome on the podcast. Ben Greenfield. Oh, oh, well, A, uh, first of all, I apologize if it sounds like I'm on a highway. I uh, ducked out for a walk, and there's a few more cars on this road than I thought. But you know what? I'm in the sunshine, and I'm moving, so we'll just have to roll with it. I'll try not to get hit by a semi-truck. And then, um, by the way, I think you said CrossFitter. I'm, I'm not going to label myself as a CrossFitter. I've only been in a CrossFit oh. gym like twice in, my, twice in my life. I think it's kind of a cool, oh, yeah. cool concept. Obviously, they've run into some issues lately because apparently they're, they're, from what I understand, their CEO is being an asshole about something related to, uh, to racism or, or the whole, uh, the whole uh, George yeah. Floyd issue. But, uh, but either way, no, I, I definitely don't call my, myself a CrossFitter. I'd hate for you to say that and then... For someone to challenge me <laughs> something like uh, like Murph or Nancy or Kelly or or Bob or Bill or any of these other crazy names they have, and maybe to get my ass kicked, and <laughs> let us down. Yeah, that's fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. I mean, how would you describe yourself? Sitting next to an old lady on an airplane, she asks. I just tell her I'm an author. Because what, but, I mean, you know, where do you spend most of your time at the moment? Like, which, which area of your business? Well, I mean, you know, since we've been on lockdown for like 80 days, really, it has been a lot of what I've been doing is writing. And, you know, I, I consult with and, and coach kind of a limited number of clientele, you know, for health and fitness and sleep and recovery and stuff like that. And so, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time talking with my clients and also doing one-offs phone calls with people about, you know, their blood, their biomarkers, you know, performance goal that they're going after, anything like that. And then, um, you know, I also, uh, oh, there goes the semi-truck. Hopefully I'll get off this busy road pretty soon. Um, and then I also <laughs> do, uh, I do uh, podcasting, you know, so I'm, so I'm interviewing folks at least a couple of times a week. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I just finished a cookbook that I wrote during this lockdown. And so, you know, did, did a lot of writing wow. as well. And, um, you know, I still publish a couple articles a week on my website. So I'm writing for that as well. And uh, yeah, I would say just doing a lot of like writing and podcasting, some distance coaching. And then I've also 
you know, been a part of a lot of kind of like more virtual presentations to, you know, corporations, to businesses, you know, entrepreneurial groups, YPO, EO, stuff like that. Kind of the same stuff I'd normally do hopping on a plane and going to talk to a group, but just kind of doing it over Zoom and, and, and Skype and stuff like that instead. And then I've also, I've also gotten, gotten like super fit, you know, just because I've had so much more time at home and I'm more in my element and I'm not, you know, not dealing with sleep issues or airplanes or airports or anything else that goes along with traveling a lot. So you know, I've been able, I've been able to, to get pretty fit as well. I mean, this, to be honest, it's, it's all a little bit depressing to hear just how much you've managed to achieve in lockdown. Or I think most people have probably reverted to being couch potatoes more than ever in reality. Oh, I couldn't do that. No, no. I mean, if I got downtime, I'll play a little guitar or, you know, play some card games with my kids. Um, but, but no, I, like I honestly, like I can't even sit through a movie. I, I don't, I don't know if it's that my attention span has been destroyed from the evolution of social media or if I'm just too hardwired to be productive, but no, I, I, uh, I have a hard time sitting on my ass and doing nothing. Now you're, I guess you're, you're probably most, um, most well-known in, in, in the groups and the community that we know as, as your, as a biohacker. I mean, how would you, where's the line between established medicine, science and biohacking? Like, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think biohacking is kind of a silly overused phrase. If you look at like, you know, the, um, the original biohackers, they were like, you know, the old school folks back in the day who called themselves grinders, right? And they're, they, they called their body wetware. And then they would take hardware, you know, like whatever magnetic implants in their chest that would vibrate when they face true north or, you know, little kind of like minority report, little magnets implanted in the fingertips to interact with screens or even, you know, chips, kind of like an early version of Elon Musk's Neuralink that they'd get installed to be able to communicate with computers. And, you know, you've got stories about guys injecting chlorophyll into their eyeballs for night vision or, um, or, or magnetic implants in the ears to enhance hearing. Like, in my opinion, like, that's a true biohacker. They're literally like using some kind of external source or, or hack, so to speak, to enhance their biology, you know, and now we call whatever, you know, putting butter in your coffee or, <laughs> or, or like, uh, you know, jumping up and down on a trampoline with an elevation training mask on, you know, we call that biohacking and that's kind of like cooking and, and exercising in a funny way. And I, you know, so it's kind of funny, like biohacking is, now how it got in this status is this all-encompassing term that I think is sometimes overused. You know, most people who call themselves biohackers, they're just like health enthusiasts, right, who are maybe, yeah. uh, I don't know, sleeping with, uh, with organic sheets or taking a cold shower. And <laughs> like, you know, I just don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily like to call myself a biohacker for those reasons. I guess yeah. I've done some stuff, you know, like, maybe like some of the stuff with stem cell injections or some of the technologies that I use to maybe, maybe shortcut some things when it comes to like, you know, recovery, for example, uh, you could possibly consider biohacking, but you know, it's, it's that's kind of a tricky term. That's, that's probably, probably I, I'd be more appropriately called a biohacker than a crossfitter. And I'm not going <laughs> to let you live that one down, but 
But yeah, bi biohacking is yeah, <laughs> yeah, bio biohacking is tricky. I mean, I, I think the the biggest single thing that we can learn from biohackers, honestly, is that you know, from a performance standpoint, most biohackers aren't athletes, right? They're like Silicon mm. Valley execs who are trying to shortcut away to get fit with a minimal effective dose of exercise. So they're exercising, you know, you use some $10,000 machine to do a 20 minute workout and, you know, do, you know, like, like combine a bunch of modalities like vibration and blood flow restriction and cold and some kind of fancy machine into one workout. And those, those things work if you just like a busy exec who wants to get, get fit with a short period of time, but you know, it's not really going to be applicable to functional fitness or, or to athletic performance, so to speak. But then when you look at recovery, I mean, like, you know, things like hyperbaric oxygen chambers or, you know, infrared saunas or like the gradated compression boots that expand and contract. I mean, I, I think if there's anything that an athlete can really take from the biohacking community, it's some of these ways to just basically speed up the rate at which the body recovers so that return to performance or return to training can occur more quickly. And I, I do think that there's, there's a lot to be kind of borrowed from the biohacking community and applied to the performance community from that standpoint. Um, you but, you know, the, of course, the problem is that when you look at the performance aspects of biohacking, it's mostly like people who don't want to work hard or sweat hard or put the time in, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't think that, that you'd really be able to do anything that's significant from an athletic standpoint just using, you know, biohacking modalities. But say, say you took someone who, because we've got, as a podcast, we've got a real range of abilities and also um, experience in things like ultra running. If, if you were to take someone who is a, uh, ran a little bit and use all of your experience and knowledge and all of the tooling um, to try and get someone to say a marathon time in a year versus just someone who would follow a standard plan online. I mean, what, what type of, how big a difference do you think applying all of the right nutrition, recovery, training, sleep, all of those things could make? Well, I mean, I think that question's already been answered. And although I, I can't necessarily name off a bunch of ultra runners who are using, you know, technologies like, say, infrared or reaction time trainers or, you know, hyperbaric oxygen or, or you know, uh, infrared light panels or stem cells or things like that. You know, we know when we look at other sports like, you know, Tom Brady in the NFL or LeBron James and, and the Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat and the NBA and a, a host of European professional soccer teams, you know, utilizing things like heart rate variability, that some of the top squads and top athletes in, in those sectors are primarily what you see is, is they're, they're, they're decreasing recovery time and typically seeing lower rate of injury and longer career time. So I'd say the biggest thing was you might shorten the period of time that it takes you to reach your PR and stave off risk of injury pretty significantly, probably stave off some amount of endocrine disruption and, you know, hormone issues and inflammation due to better recovery. Um, you know, at the same time, I, I think you can still perform pretty well. You just might burn out more quickly or get injured more quickly or take a longer time to get to your goal. Then you might be able to, in, in the absence of some of these technologies that might do things like speed recovery time, for example. 
and what because some of those terms i do know some of them I mean, the the infrared one i've i don't know much about at all is how what is that and, and how accessible are a lot of these technologies to just the public are they unobtainably expensive or is it just more knowledge well, I mean, first of all, it's kind of a hard question for me to answer because I just wrote like a 700-page book with, with all of the different, you know, technologies <laughs> and, and tests. So it's like, you know, where would I even start? But, um, you know, uh, uh, to, to give you an example of like a kind of perhaps like a, a lower-priced technology, you know, let's talk about like gradated compression therapy that would – cause kind of a and this is very popular amongst the runners who i work with and the endurance athletes because they tend to have more time on their feet using something like a pair of of normatech boots which borrows technology from nasa to to basically milk inflammatory products and metabolic byproducts from the feet up towards the heart or from the hands up towards the heart via these gradated compression devices that are attached to a pump that kind of like pumps air in, but it pumps air in start for first. It'll like pump up air, measure the circumference of the limb. Mm. And then it'll go through a series of cycles for anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes while you're maybe napping or watching a TV show or reading a book. Well, you're, you're literally, it's, it's like, you know, a massage therapist working on you, except without you having to hire and hunt down a massage therapist. And, um, you know, that, that price point on that's maybe like a thousand bucks. And in, in my own experience, like even after a you know, long run, like your legs really do feel light as a feather afterwards. Like it's pretty impressive. And you can go back and train the next day and, and not feel kind of that, that heaviness in the legs. Mm. And so that's, that's an example of like a, you know, probably, a, you know, $1,000 kind of depends on who you're talking to, but I would consider that like mid range as far as pricing goes. And, um, you know, then, then you can look at something like, hyperbaric oxygen therapy where you literally, and I have one of these, it's like this little kind of like tube shaped soft shell chamber and, you know, kind of like a home version of what they'd use in a hospital for a concussion or a TBI patient or for wound healing or something like that. But the home versions, you know, they generate a, a little, little less um, pressure, but you put on oxygen mask, you get in and you're basically breathing pure oxygen at pressure. So you're saturating the tissues with oxygen and causing kind of like a vasoconstrictive vasodilatory effect that that really allows for big improvements in recovery and decreases in, in inflammation and, and again based on research faster time of healing for things like you know muscle fibers or um or, or even like injured or uh, areas like like tendon or ligament damage and i mean that that's it, it, I mean, it, it's amazing. It even results in, in a big increase in stem cell production. But, you know, mm. that's more like a ten, like a ten to $15,000 price point. And that's something that an athlete might, again, like crawl into in the middle of the day after lunch to take a nap in or like go lay in after a long workout. And, you know, that, that's an example of probably more expensive hack or piece of technology. Could, but Could you replicate that with oxygen canisters, do you think, if you had pressurized oxygen from a can or? Well, no, because you, you have to be like the only way that oxygen is going to dissociate readily from tissue. And that's why a lot of those oxygen bars are kind of a scam because you got to have the combination of high levels, you know, high, high partial pressure of oxygen, but then actual high air pressure. And so when you're in a hyperbaric chamber, it's simulating, you know, like the one I have, well, you know, it's as if you were about 25 to 30 feet underwater as far as the atmospheric pressure. And so you're, you're literally dissociating the oxygen to the tissue. 
Otherwise, if you're just breathing pure oxygen, it's not going to actually dissociate more readily into the tissue unless it's pressurized. So, you know, that, it, it, so, so no, it's not the same. And, and is that the thing that Michael Jackson used to sleep in? I don't know that much about Michael Jackson and his sleeping <laughs> habits, but that kind of sounds familiar. And um, and because I think Mike Wardian actually mentioned having those trousers. I'm gonna avoid. I'm gonna avoid any dirty jokes about whatever he was doing in there and who he was in there <laughs> with. But yeah, hundred percent. There was a lot of pressure going on in some capacity. Yeah. But and the um, so because with if we look at things like running, the interesting thing is that you've got the Kenyans who are smashing everyone, and they don't seem to be using any of these this knowledge this experience technology do you think there are a huge amounts that they can step forward if they were to start adopting these as well because in, in theory the west should be we've got an advantage right we've got money we've got tech i don't know last i checked the kenyans were working with organizations like the nike project who are you know using everything from from uh you know shoes that return higher amounts of kinetic energy in the in the footsteps to uh, a, a lot of these recovery therapies to, um, you know, different, different supplements for altitude and, and dietary performance. And, yeah, I mean, when you combine that with more of the ancestral side of things, you know, growing up at altitude, running to school every day, running mm -hmm. efficiently, having, having the genetics of a more ectomorphic flow twitch body fiber type, you know, I, I think that you kind of get the best of both worlds. So I would, you know, even though, again, like, you know, I don't necessarily classify myself, especially since I personally began to do a lot less ultra endurance um, and even ultra endurance coaching. I don't classify myself as an expert per se in what the Kenyans are doing right now. I would actually second guess that idea that, that they're not using technology because I'm pretty sure, you know, the ones who are especially working with some of these Western organizations actually are. Yeah, actually. Um, yeah, I'll look into that because it'd be interesting to know because you, you a lot of the way they position themselves in the media is, you know, humility and simple lifestyles and sharing uh, bunks, uh, bunk rooms and things like that. So, um, yeah, it might be that they are doing more than the uh, the facade lets on as such. Uh, so as, uh, yeah, and, and then, and then if you look at this from, and this is the reason that a lot of like, you know, even like execs or Westerners get into biohacking is because you're kind of like fighting an uphill battle against living in a post-industrial uh, situation like mm. you know may maybe someone who's living in the Himalayas or in Tanzania or Hunza has access to like really good pure clean filtered spring water for example whereas mm. like in America you might be buying a reverse osmosis filtration or carbon block water system and putting some kind of fancy minerals and hydrogen tablets into your water to simulate the same thing or perhaps your you know, living near a pristine Himalayan mountaintop or in an area with lower levels of air pollution. But if you're in the U.S., you're like outfitting your office with a HEPA air filter and, um, you know, and, 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 and using some kind of like air scrubbing device in your gym or something like that because you don't have access to that same type of natural environment. So, you know, when, when you look at a lot of these biohacks or technologies, some of it is just designed to, to kind of like cancel out some of the evolutionary mismatches that we have living in a more post-industrial or, or kind of westernized environment, if that makes sense. Reminds me of the book, The Running Man, to be honest, with, uh, with Ben, what's his name? Uh, ben Richards is is trying to get a filter because the air's so bad in this dystopian future. But um, 
So as, as runners then, what would you say are the, the simple things that we're doing wrong or the simple changes we could potentially consider that would, would make big differences to the way we're, we're living in the West? Yeah, I think as far as like simple changes, um, you know, let, let's put aside like physical, let's put aside like physical activity and nutrition and assume someone's already like exercising and eating healthy mm. and painting, painting with a really broad brush. When I say eating healthy, like for most people, and perhaps this is because of the, the human origins from the fertile crescent or, you know, the, the antioxidant and omega-3 content of a diet like this. But for most people, eating healthy means some semblance of like a Mediterranean-esque diet with a little bit of, you know, fasting and caloric restriction thrown in and some amount of sugar and starch and vegetable oil mitigation. Like that, that diet works pretty well for most people, just like a basic kind of like lower carbohydrate Mediterranean diet, you know, and, and let's say someone's also doing a little bit of strength training, doing a little bit of high intensity interval training, doing some kind of aerobic training and tending to things like mobility, right? So assuming those boxes are checked, mm. I would say like the biggest things, the lowest hanging fruit, um, number one, and a lot of these are nature based, right? Number one would be like sunlight and vitamin D and, you know, kind of like the, you want to get into the biohacking equivalent of getting lots of sunlight every day mm. or even supplementing with vitamin D, it would be the use of these newer like infrared and near infrared light panels or far infrared saunas, which kind of give you a similar effect. So I would say that that's one thing would be sunlight and then kind of like the biohacking version of that, you know, like near infrared, red light panels, things like that. Um, number two would be being barefoot outside or using grounding and earthing technologies. We know there's, I interviewed a guy on my podcast like an hour and a half about this. It was fascinating. This guy in Clint Ober about like all the studies on drops in inflammation that result from just like being outside barefoot or, you know, laying on your back on the ground or camping outside. And it's, it's actually pretty profound. So I wow. think not only more time in sunlight, but more time literally just like in touch with the surface of our planet, which considering that a lot of us are inside all day and wearing big built up rubber soled shoes when we go outside it uh you know we don't get a lot of that and for runners obviously running barefoot has its own issues in terms of foot protection but there's companies now that will sell like shoes like like there's one company that sells kind of tamamahara indian style running sandals with copper plugs built into the bottom of them that keep you earthed while you're running there's another company called earthy that sells like these little strips that you just put on the bottom of your running shoe that keep you grounded while you're running and like i was i saw roger federer the other day in a match and he was like wearing a pair while he was playing tennis and so you know some of these athletes are catching on to this as well and so um that's that's number two is i would say like earthing grounding in addition to sunlight i think another couple that a lot of people just because we're living again like a little bit more comfortable western lifestyles with air conditioning and heating and stuff like that i i think that frequent exposure to fluctuations in both cold and heat are accompanied by a, by a host of physiological benefits like better nitric oxide production and better conversion of like white adipose tissue into metabolically active brown fat, um, uh, uh, increase in your nervous system resilience, production of heat shock proteins, production of new red blood cells. So I think like some kind of a regular sauna practice, mm. some kind of a regular like cold soak or cold shower practice. I think those are also kind of like low-hanging fruits that like most people get the sunlight get outdoors and get pretty hot and pretty cold a few times a week 
And then the, the last thing I would say that's kind of like within the grasp of most folks would be, you know, kind of harkening back to something I mentioned earlier would just be like most people, even if they're eating healthy, I've noticed sometimes just don't pay that much attention to their water and like really good, clean, pure, filtered water and preferably good, clean, pure, filtered water that has some minerals added back into it, like a really good sea salt, a really good electrolyte beverage. I mean, when I was, when I was racing Ironman, mm. I didn't even realize how mineral depleted my adrenal glands were becoming from, you know, from, from the excess sweating nearly every day. And I would go to bed at night and have a hard time sleeping. And my, my, you know, my, I could feel my, uh, my, my pulse, like kind of pounding in my ears. And mm. I started taking in, like, I, I especially began to do this after I got tested by a physiologist from the Gatorade Sports Science Institute on sweat sodium levels. And I was pretty surprised at my sweat sodium loss. And that influenced me to step up my salt intake via both minerals added to water and kind of salt sprinkled on food to closer to about six grams a day. And that made a profound difference in my recovery and my, in my sleep quality, just that change alone. So I would say like really good, clean, pure filtered water and kind of like in the same category as that, like really good minerals added to the water and minerals added to the food. So, you know, if I, if I could list six kind of, kind of basic variables in addition to physical activity and good nutrition, it would be sunlight, uh, earthing or grounding, heat, cold, um, uh, water and minerals. Like, and, and most people can kind of afford to, to kind of weave those into their, their practice, in my opinion. And what's, cause all of those I've found, you know, sensible and, and similar to advice I've, I've heard before. The big one and I've never heard of is earthing. What, what effect is, what's, what, do you know what the theory behind it is? Do you know what the kind of effect, yeah, I, the immune system or? Yeah, it, it, it's more of a, uh, more of a bioelectric theory, meaning that you have a, you, you tend to have like a net positive charge on the outside of the cell membrane and a net negative charge on the interior of the cell membrane. And when you're building up a lot of lactic acid or hydrogen ions, or when you're exposed to things that generate a lot more of these positive ions, or even cause calcium leakage into the cell, which is a positively charged ion. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about things like whatever, you know, living in an industrial era, you know, 5G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, flying on airplanes, you know, never being outside and having, again, like the big built-up rubber-soled shoes on. What happens is you shift the, the, um, the voltage potential across the cell membrane towards a more positive voltage potential. Like physiologically, you're, you, you tend to have better mitochondrial production of ATP when you're at about like negative 60 to negative 70 millivolts. And if you, you test using like a phase angle measurement or a voltage meter, a lot of people are like negative 30, negative 40, some people closer up towards zero. And the idea is that when you go outside and you're in touch with the surface of the earth, there's two things you're getting exposed to. One is negative ions because every time lightning strikes the surface of the planet anywhere, uh, it, it's, it's, introducing a whole bunch of negative ions onto the surface of the earth and if you go outside barefoot you're basically soaking those up and restoring that proper electrochemical charge and then the other thing you're getting exposed to i don't know if you've heard of like you know a lot of athletes now are using this technology called pulsed electromagnetic field frequency or, or pemf to enhance recovery and to decrease inflammation and the earth naturally emits a pemf charge that has an anti-inflammatory component to it. And so you're getting negative ions and PEMF exposure. And so it's kind of like a one-two whammy in terms of better mitochondrial health and lower inflammation. 
And they're the, probably the best book out there is written by a guy named Clint Ober. He's the guy I interviewed on my podcast. And I think the book's just called like earthing. And there's also a, for people who don't like to read, there's a documentary called earthing and pretty fascinating, really. Yeah. And not really mentioned at all. Not really talked about is, is there any metals or any items that also earth you uh, or give that, that negative iron? I'm probably getting all the words. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one company they're called um, ultimate longevity and they'll sell like pads that you can sleep on or like mats that you could put underneath your desk and they tend to plug into the grounding outlet. You know, you assume your house is properly grounded or your mm. electrical system is properly grounded. And that technically introduces the same type of frequency without you having to go outside. But the only concern about that is if you're living in a more like urban environment with lots of, uh, lots of powering, lots of power traveling from like the power substations through the ground into homes, mm. What happens is you also get exposed to a pretty hefty amount of AC current and that might actually defeat the purpose because that has a more inflammatory effect. So I would say if you like live in the country and you're not in a big urban setting, that the use of those type of grounding technologies indoors is probably just fine. But if you're in the middle of a city, I honestly wouldn't, wouldn't use them. And does the ground literally mean the ground? Could I go on a pavement, a road surface, tarmac, or does it need to be a different? Yeah. Yeah, like concrete is conductive. Asphalt isn't quite as conductive as concrete, but it's conductive. Dirt is, grass is, sand is super conductive because the minerals in it. Water is also really conductive. Like, you know, going swimming in the ocean after you've gone off for a run, that's super conductive. And you're getting the benefits of the cold sometimes as well. So, yeah, there's, there's, it depends on the surface. But for the most part, just like being outside without your shoes on or like, you know, taking a nap but taking a nap with your shirt off on the on the grass or something like that, or even just like, camping every once in a while and sleeping outside you know it's just uh there's there's benefits that go beyond just you know being in touch with the planet you know we know there's lots of benefits from being in nature but but yeah amazing um and are there any hacks towards pain and pain management because that's something that we often limits us either our fear of pain or actually the, the physical element of pain during a race well i mean it, it kind of depends so if we're talking about pain during a race, usually that's central nervous system fatigue. And, um, and, and I mean, it, it honestly, it can be a lot of stuff. It can be mineral depletion resulting in muscle cramping and muscle overuse issues due to a, you know, an alpha motor neuron reflex kind of inhibiting the use of that muscle or causing the overuse of surrounding musculature. You know, and the, the trick for that is just, you know, proper mineral use and also proper training so that your muscles are prepared for the intensity at which you're performing during the event, if it is more um, kind of like biochemical related or, or metabolite related, a lot of times it's tryptophan crossing the blood brain barrier, resulting in like sleepiness or fatigue or perceptions of pain, in which case a lot of times, you know, using things beyond just carbohydrates during training, like amino acids or ketones can, can help to compete with tryptophan for crossing the blood brain barrier. So I think, you know, not just using carbohydrates in a beverage for ultra running or marathoning or ultra endurance, but using like carbohydrates along with amino acids, along with electrolytes, and preferably even along with ketones is a good idea for the central nervous system fatigue piece. And if it's, um, if it's more just like general uh, pain related to overuse or tendinous damage, I mean, that begs the question of why are you out training through an injury? And, um, 
I can tell you that that ibuprofen, the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, is the last thing you want to do because when you're exercising, and especially when you're exercising in the heat, you increase gut permeability. And when you are consuming something like that, and I've shown this in multiple studies, and your gut is even semi-permeable, it results in symptoms of liver and kidney toxicity and long-term organ damage. And so uh, the the way that you protect your gut against permeability, and this is still not an excuse to, to use ibuprofen or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs if you're in pain, is there's a supplement called colostrum. And upon ingestion, colostrum kind of like seals the lining of the gut. And they've done studies in athletes, especially athletes exercising in the heat, and shown a significant decrease in gut permeability for athletes who supplement with colostrum. But if you actually are in pain, um, you know, I, I would say some of the more common herbs and spices that limit inflammation can be helpful, like, uh, like uh, tumorosaccharides from turmeric or uh, curcuminoids from curcumin or uh, like ginger is a really good one. Uh, proteolytic enzymes are also really good. Uh, you know, I, I studied up on a lot of this stuff last year when I was formulating a supplement for joint pain and just kind of, you know, figured out all the, all the, some, some of the biggest were uh, something called IUflex, which is an extract of a, like an Ayurvedic fruit uh, called uh, uh, Hikatari. And then uh, the tumorosaccharides, which are kind of like the water-soluble pain-killing component of turmeric. And then also these uh, proteolytic enzymes just break down a lot of the, the uh, fibrinogen in the body. And when taken on an empty stomach, like at night, it's, it's really significant at decreasing pain. Um, and that, that one's called Flex. Uh, is a a supplement that I created based on that. So that one works pretty well. But if it's obviously if it's pain during the actual event, it's not going to help with that because you're you're competing in the event and and you're stuck out there performing. And and honestly, for me, when I was competing in Ironman and was injured, just had to get to the finish line come hell or high water just because, you know, part of my body broke during the bike and I had to get through the marathon or whatever. You know, for me, it it, it all it it was all mental, you know, uh, setting intermediate goals getting to the next aid station, counting to a hundred over and over again, you know, going through my why in my head, why am I doing this? My two little boys are waiting for me at the finish line. I don't want to disappoint them. And, um, you know, even, even things like, you know, applying ice to, to an area while you're running, you know, like little, little pieces of ice and ice packs and stuff like that, which obviously limits some of the muscle mobility and some of the, some of the force output, but you know, you do what you can when you're in those situations, but you know, or, or you could always use the old school, like a uh, Viking strategy or Dean Karnazzi even did a lot of this when he was uh, doing his Sparta racing was something in the mouth that you can kind of like crush in your mouth or chew on to decrease pain perception. They've actually done some research showing that like when the Vikings used to chomp on leather strips, it would decrease pain perception. They sell like mouth guards for runners that you can just like chomp down on when the going gets tough. Uh, Dean used uh, this form of gum called mastic gum, which is actually really interesting because mastic gum settles the stomach, but it also produces saliva that helps to keep the mouth wet while you're exercising. And it, because it's very kind of chewy kind of gum, it can also decrease those ratings of pain perception. And it's called mastic gum, M-A-S-T-I-C. I think it was Dean who first told me about that. And I started chewing on it when I race and it actually does work pretty well. He's chewed it the whole way through. What's that? You chew it the whole way through. No, you'd like pop it in your mouth, kind of like when the going gets tough or when you, you kind of like are having some stomach issues, but you know, it's not time for you to be eating. So you just kind of put it in your mouth, keeps your mouth wet, keeps your appetite satiated a little bit, you know, but, uh, yeah, chewing it the whole time. It's actually pretty, pretty chewy. Like my mouth would get sore if I chew on it for longer than about two hours. 
because you, you mentioned about sleep there um what that's something i've found that if i do train very hard i i often find hard to get to sleep i'm incredibly hot um when i do sleep sweating massively or i think i'm sweating in the bed um, and obviously even just through nerves and things coming up to race days it's, it's very easy to to miss out on sleep are there any um, yeah. kind of hacks or, or ways in which we can be ensuring that we're getting enough sleep and getting really good quality sleep yeah, again, like I have a hundred page chapter in my in my book, Boundless, devoted to sleep alone. But I would say some of the biggies uh, related to temperature, that's a huge one for athletes just because your body's temperature tends to be elevated from daytime training. If you can finish a workout, preferably three hours or more prior to bedtime, research shows that that helps out quite a bit. Uh, making sure that you're preferably saving the majority of your carbohydrate consumption for later in the day so that the carbs are going towards refueling muscle and liver glycogen stores and also helping you to produce more serotonin, which helps produce melatonin while you're sleeping. So kind of like doing like a larger carbohydrate dinner for an athlete is a little bit better than a larger carbohydrate breakfast. Uh, plus it does a good job topping up the energy stores for the next day. Um, always for late afternoon or an early evening workout, always doing a cold shower or a cold soak. It's kind of a myth that if you like take a cold bath after workout, it will like, you know, blunt your training adaptations to exercise unless it's super cold and like 10 minutes or longer, but like a quick two to five minute cold shower, jumping in a cold ocean a river or lake to kind of decrease the body's temperature. That helps a ton with sleep along with just keeping the room super cold, right? Like fans, air conditioning. There's even this speaking of biohacks. There's this company that sells a, a pad. I have one called the chili pad and it circulates like 55 degree cold water under yeah. your body while you're sleeping. That thing's a game changer. It's amazing in the summer. And so keeping the body really cold, um, I pretty much like whenever the sun starts to set in whatever area of the world I happen to be in, I switch like the, the brightness of my computer screen as low as possible. I actually wound up installing a piece of software on all my computers called Iris that just mm -hmm. does it automatically. And then I put on these blue light blocking glasses so that I'm not suppressing melatonin from heavy amounts of light exposure. And I even went so far as to replace the lights in my master bedroom with like red incandescent bulbs instead of normal bright bulbs. So I'm just basically trying to simulate like firelight or torchlight as much as possible before bed. And when you combine that with really good amounts of sunlight exposure early in the day, that's really good for your circadian rhythmicity and for falling asleep at a normal time. And then the last two I would consider would be, you know, covering up ambient noise. You know, you can put your phone in airplane mode and yeah. there's a bunch of different kind of like sleep noises you can play while you sleep. I have this app called Sleep Stream. And, you know, you've probably heard like white noise or brown noise or these different forms of noise that can you know, like drown out outside sounds and help lull you to sleep. And there's one form of noise called pink noise. And based on research, pink noise is the best type of kind of like outside noise to play to drown out sirens or barking dogs or a loud partner or something like that. So I'll put my phone in airplane mode next to my bed and play that. And if you want to play it through headphones, there's a company called Sleep Phones and they make like a soft pair of headphones that you can wear while you're in bed at night if you're like a side sleeper. And that does a really good job if you live in like a noisy apartment or you're in a hotel or something before a race. And then um, probably the last thing would be like your body really wants to be safe while you're sleeping. So if it associates the bed with like danger or arguably even work, then you'll have more racing thoughts and have a harder time falling asleep. So I just like, I never read business books in bed. I never work on my laptop in bed. Um, you know, I always keep like a, a good fiction book next to my bed mm -hmm. and I just have a rule. I won't check my email 
while I'm in bed. So my body just never associates the bed with being a place of work. And if you're super like high, strung, anxious, you know, lay awake at night worrying, um, there's two last things I would mention. One, it sounds kind of funny, but it actually works. There's companies that sell this thing called a gravity blanket, like kind of like a 20, 25 pound cool blanket that you put on top of you. And it's incredibly kind of, it just feels like you're swallowed up like a baby. And I'm, I'm like addicted to that thing. I don't travel with it because it's heavy, but I have one at home. It's called a gravity blanket. And then the other thing is, as far as supplements go, there's a lot of different supplements that can help with sleep, but probably the best would be anything that results in a release of what are called inhibitory neurotransmitters while you're asleep. So your, your primary inhibitory neurotransmitter is called gamma, uh, GABA aminobutyric acid. And there's certain like herbal extracts that cause your body to pump that out when you're asleep, like a uh, passion flower is one, uh, valerian root is one, holy basil is another, but you know, any of these herbs, these relaxing herbs, even chamomile, like if you kind of keep a little dropper full or tincture bottle next to your bedside at night and you wake up at night with racing thoughts, you take a little dose of that it seems to help pretty remarkably with, with helping you to fall back asleep. So, so I mean, those, those are a few, I've got a, a ton more tips and I, I think it's chapter 18 of my book, Boundless, but you know, th those are a few of the little things. And one thing that I really struggle with is my memory is absolutely getting to shit. Um, I used to I used to consider myself a relatively intelligent person, whereas now I really struggle to remember my own name at times. Is I've I've read that the um, intermittent fasting supposedly can help reverse that to a certain extent. But I mean, is that true? And are there many other things that you can do to try and stop your memory going downhill so quickly? Yeah. I mean, people talk about like fasting, calorie restriction, or even like sauna use, increasing levels of what's called BDNF, brain derived neurotropic factor, which is like kind of like miracle grow for your brains in terms of developing new neurons or protecting mm. from neural inflammation. But I mean, these are like lab studies where they're, where they're looking at cells in a Petri dish, or mm. they're looking at levels of BDNF in humans, but not actually doing actual memory tests, right? Like I like to see the shit that actually says, okay, this is actually helping you memorize stuff faster. Mm. And uh, the, the, the top thing is just doing activities that force you to memorize. And that, that could be something like, a you know, pick up a musical instrument and teaching yourself a few songs that you can play by memory. It could be, there's one really good app that you can download to your phone. that's actually been shown to improve both short-term and to a lesser extent, long-term memory. It's called the NBAC app, just N like Nancy back. There's like, four or five different versions of it on the app store. And that, one's, that one's it, like, and back, like Nancy back. Um, and then as far as, uh, uh, you know, anything that makes smoke come out your ears or causes a little bit of left and right brain hemispheric coordination, like uh, as a matter of fact, they've done studies on brain longevity in people and they found the two top activities to engage in to stay smarter as you age are uh, table tennis or any racket sport <laughs> and swimming. And it's because the it's because both involve like left and right brain hemispheric coordination. You know, swimming is left arm, right arm. Tennis, you're kind of going back and forth from backhand to forehand, or, or you know, or ping pong or racquetball or anything like that. So those is like cross training sports are really good. And then there's um there's one herbal extract. There's actually two that have pretty good data behind them for actually improving memory. One is uh, ginkgo biloba, and the other one is is called bacopa, bacopa monieri. So, uh, so ginkgo and bacopa are both pretty decent herbs, it would appear, for, for memory. But I, I honestly don't think, eh, like, I, like, like popping a pill compared to actually doing something that kind of feels like it's making smoke come out your ears, like 
learning a musical song on a new musical mm-hmm. instrument or playing end back or even like learning a new musical instrument or learning a new game. Like I always put more trust in the stuff that actually feels like I'm having to work kind of returning back to like biohacking performance. Like I just don't feel like, you know, working out for 20 minutes on a special machine that, you know, constricts blood flow or something like that is really going to make a marked difference in your marathon time versus like, you know, a one hour workout at the track, you know, and I kind of feel the same way about some of these other tactics, like some stuff you just got to, you got to do the work, baby, you know? Because what, what, what would you say about the wackiest suggestions you've had for biohack ideas or, or new technologies? Are there, are there a lot of um, snake oil items out there? Oh, my gosh. Pardon the language, but you got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, like, there's, like, you know, the, and, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the bracelets that are going to help you break an Olympic world record because they're <laughs> simulating an alpha brainwave frequency in your, in your body. And, yeah, maybe, maybe it's going to. I don't know if you slap it on, help you focus a little bit at work possibly, but it's not going to like turn you into a super athlete or like the special waters, you know, like the alkaline waters that, yeah, they might shift your body into a mild state of alkalinity. And if you're eating a super acidic diet full of tons of red meat and dairy and alcohol, that might help you not to leach as many minerals from your bones. But Mm. then when they publish it with a picture of like a pro athlete and say, whatever, you know, this is what, this is what, um, you know, LeBron James drinks before each of his basketball games. And this is what's the game changer for him. Or, um, you know, I get all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, uh, what was one I got the other day? Um, uh, it was a, uh, Oh, it's like this, uh, this probiotic that, uh, says it will reverse aging. And it's like $800 a bottle. And I went <laughs> and looked at the research on it and, yeah, it is a probiotic strain that's been shown to increase the levels of this protein called clotho, which in test tubes has been shown to induce the ability for cells to possibly be able to die a less early death. But then you can't turn around and sell it to me for $700 and tell me like it's going to make me live to 120 years old. So, so mostly it's, it's like some of the stuff has benefits, but then the claims are just taken way, way out of line. You know, even a lot of these mitochondrial protections, which I take. You know, like coenzyme Q10 or, or PQQ or glutathione or a lot of these things that really do help your mitochondria to repair, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take those to help my cell repair, but, but don't turn around and tell me that I'm going to break an Olympic world record mm. when, I, you know, when I pop this pill. It's like, you know, you get, like, it's always, I know I keep coming back to this, it's always like the combination of hard work. And then if you're working hard and you throw some better living through science into the mix, I think the, the best thing it's going to do is increase your career or decrease your risk of injury or perhaps decrease the amount of time that it takes to recover between workouts. But most of the stuff isn't actually going to make you like faster or stronger. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, how would, what, if we're seeing new products with claims, like how, how would you recommend we assess what's actually what? Um, oh, you go to the web, you, yeah, you go to the website for the product or you go to PubMed, either one. And you try to find any studies that are either listed on the company's website or listed on PubMed. You evaluate whether or not those studies were industry funded, which doesn't mean they're wrong, but should mm-hmm. automatically cause you to you know, take a second glance. And then you look to see if there was a control group. You look to see whether it was double blinded, whether both the, you know, the, the study administrators and the participants were both unaware of what treatment mm-hmm. was being used. You look at the sample size, right? Like a sample size of like five trained males is far different than like a sample size of, you know, a random group of 7,000 people. 
you look at the actual modality being used, I mean, like, for example, they'll say that, um, uh, they'll say like, uh, uh, even, even what I was saying about cold water, like cold water will blunt the training adaptations to exercise. Well, if you look at the actual study, you're, you're looking at, you know, 10 plus minutes of 40 degrees Fahrenheit or less cold exposure in untrained males who had done bicep curls at three sets of 12, three times a week. You're not looking at like a marathon or an Ironman triathlete training for two and a half to three hours a day with all the body temperature issues you were talking about and the rampant levels of inflammation. And, and so you always look at things like dosing, timing, what the group was actually doing and how much that reflects what you were doing. And so for, for me, it always comes down to what is the research behind this? If there's no research at all, I'm, I'm just like, I either won't do it or if I do it, I am admitting to myself that I'm totally using myself as an anecdotal N equals one case study. And if it works for me, great, but I'm not going to turn around and tell the world, you know, this is a game change. I'm going to tell the world, Hey, this, this seemed to move the dial for me. Uh, maybe it's something to look into no research behind it, but it definitely seemed to do something for me. And do you think there are a lot of products out there that don't have the money, the funding or the means to be able to do that level of research that we, do you think there are a lot of products that we could be using um, but we, they just haven't had the ability to prove it. Yeah, I, I think you could argue that that's the case. I mean, like there are some supplements that I think are very beneficial for athletes that have a good amount of research behind them, like creatine or fish oil or, or you know, beets or betaine or any of these nitric oxide precursors like, you know, arginine or, or citrulline, for example. I think there are others that I'd love to see more research on, even though, the data that I have seen looks really, really good. There's just not enough research, in my opinion, like essential mm. amino acids or, or ketones, for example. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that there are some really promising compounds that have yet to have large, robust, long-term clinical human research studies done on them. Mm. But yet, you know, I'll often recommend to athletes just based on the, some of the smaller studies I've seen or what I've experienced in my own personal use. Or sometimes it's just like basic physiology. It's like, okay, well... I know that if the body is able to, you know, push ketones through the, through the Krebs cycle as, uh, as an intermediate for energy, thus generating ATP in the absence of glycogen utilization, if an athlete takes this, they're going to have some amount of a glycogen sparing effect, therefore probably need to consume a little less carbohydrate during exercise mm. and possibly have a little bit more fuel for the liver and the heart and the diaphragm, which has been shown to, you know, be some of the primary organs that utilize ketones. Therefore, you know, it's something that I'll recommend just, you know, just based on understanding of basic physiology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, then I'm also very careful. I'm not going to say research has shown, you know, or it's almost like break an Olympic world record. More like yeah. if, a equals, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, that type of, of logic. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that type of thing. As long as you're honest, that that's your reasoning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I know for a lot of people, when when they they're trying to run faster, one of the biggest things that makes a difference is actually weight loss or or better or weight management. I mean, what what do you recommend for people that are trying to simply get fit and lose weight in a way that's that's not going to be dangerous or it's actually going to work? Yeah, I I think some of the biggies would be um, mitigating inflammation because we know that state of inflammation induces insulin resistance. And when you have insulin resistance, you're less likely to be able to partition fuel properly. 
into, you know, anything like muscle tissue or liver tissue. And so just being really careful with proper recovery, um, limiting the amount of, of inflammatory compounds, particularly vegetable oils. And if it's not during an exercise session, like processed sugars or ultra processed carbohydrates, I think that's a biggie, like just being really cognizant of your intake of vegetable oils and sugars is one i think that well like should you do training that's not quite as aggressive then because that causes inflammation or is is that not linked no no because that inflammation is relatively short-lived whereas particularly Mm. inflammation from vegetable oil it's not only longer lived but it's what your cell membranes are using to comprise their you know their lipid bilayer and you know those polyunsaturated fats are very prone to oxidation particularly in response to like training and, and lots of sun exposure. And so I'm a bigger fan of more stable fats and more Mediterranean fats, you know, like your olive oils, your grass fed butters, your avocado oils, stuff like that versus canola oil or sunflower oil or, or safflower oil or some of these more common vegetable oils. That'd be one. Another one that I, that I see a lot, especially in recreational athletes is doing their morning or evening workout and then just like sitting the rest of the day. And so they think they're pretty physically active and they think they're burning a lot of calories, but you know, studies have shown that the thermic effect, or, or what, what's called the NEAT, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, on any given day for most people, that far outweighs however many calories you burn during exercise. So just things like, you know, walking a lot when you're on phone calls, using a treadmill workstation, or being on your feet a lot, taking a little, little breaks during work to do jumping jacks or burpees, and just like not, not considering that just because you did an exercise session at the beginning or the end of the day, it's an excuse to have your ass planted in a chair for another eight hours during the day. I think that's, that's a big one, even for athletes, just like not yeah. physical activity, especially low level physical activity during the day. And if I could name a third, it would be just basically keeping the body in a state of relative metabolic efficiency by having some periods of time during the day where you're training yourself how to tap into your own fats as a fuel. So this would be strategies such as, you know, minimal eating frequency, you know, like most of the athletes I work with, They'll eat three meals a day and sometimes, depending on the workout, a pre, during, or post-workout feeding. And that, that's it. You know, they're not eating like six to ten small meals a day, so the body's really learning how to utilize its own fatty acids efficiently. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of times saving the majority of the carbohydrates until the evening. And then also having some kind of like an intermittent fast every day. For women, from a hormonal standpoint, they tend to respond pretty well to like a 10 to 12-hour overnight fast. Most guys do pretty well with 12 to 16 hours but like having that longer period of time where you're giving a gut a break but also increasing your metabolic efficiency because you're just not stuffing your face with food that that seems to move the dial for a lot of people as well so you know those, those are three big ones to be with, with that i can think of and by the way i've only got a, a couple of minutes left just so you know <laughs> and how would you well actually i i'll get in the questions i really want to ask then first one is um hangovers not getting them, recovering them quickly. Any tips? Yeah, I'm going to give you my, my rapid fires because I've literally got five pages of hangovers <laughs> in my book, <laughs> hangover remedies. But but the biggest one is, um, uh, like, there's a lot of tips, but get yourself some activated charcoal tablets or capsules. And when you go out drinking, take about eight of those and set them next to your bedside at night with a big glass of, like, mineral water or sports drink preferably like a non-sugary sports drink and yeah. just like down the, ch- down the charcoal with a bunch of electrolytes right before you, you go to bed. And that's, that's a, that, that's a big one for cleaning out the system and remineralizing it. Okay. Um, oh, brilliant. And next one, coconut oil. Is that good for you or bad for you? High in saturated fat, but it's coconut. 
So coconut oil is high in saturated fat, which in the absence of fiber or polyphenols or flavanols that you would get from like plant matter has been shown to be inflammatory. So if you're doing a lot of coconut oil, also, you know, include a lot of plants in your diet. And then mm. in the studies that have shown coconut oil to be damaging, uh, they've all used uh, processed and refined coconut oil versus like extra virgin unrefined coconut oil. Mm. So it kind of depends on the style of coconut oil that you use. But in, in moderation, along with plants in its unrefined extra virgin form, it's actually not that bad. And then uh, a last one. I saw that you you've coached poker players um i'm a i'm the coacher trainer of richard marks the singer but um, how how have you coached people like what what advice would you give most of my poker athletes were working on cognitive optimization uh the use of different forms of smart drugs and nootropics uh some different sleep strategies particularly for falling asleep quickly after you know after playing at night like like some some tweaks to the type of sleep technologies that are being used and then um, uh, in, in many cases, like some travel hacking and, and airplane hacking type of remedies, some changes to the type of computer monitors they're using. If they're playing online, like more eye-friendly or more biologically friendly meters or, or monitors. Um, and then uh, sometimes I'll shift the diet and use more of like a healthier version of a ketogenic diet, which seems mm. to be useful for cognitive performance. And yeah, usually it's more stuff focused on, on the brain and then also uh, neurotransmitter repletion and neurotransmitter balance, and then also decreasing any permeability in the blood-brain barrier, which can really help with cognition. And that comes down to things like magnesium intake and, um, uh, you know, uh, cold water around the head and neck area, different strategies that can be used during sleep that kind of circulate cold water around the head. Like I'll, I'll use a lot of little hacks with poker players, especially the more serious ones. Cause they, you know, they're obviously athletes in and of themselves with a lot of money on the line. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you ever want to come on again, we would love to have um, have you back, partly so we can look up half of the terms you've been using and be more informed with the questions next time. Uh -huh. But um, if people want to buy your books, where where do you make the most money? If we're to buy them in the UK, like where should we buy them from? Or for North America as well? I really don't make jack shit when people buy books. That's the dirty secret of the publishing industry. <laughs> but uh, if you if you go if you go to boundlessbooks.com. At boundlessbook.com, you can, you can find most of the links for Amazon and, you know, Barnes and & Noble and, and those other places. And then uh, I think it's boundlessbook.com slash book-depository if you're international, but you may want to double-check that URL and, I don't know, put it in the show notes or whatever, but I think it's boundlessbook.com slash book-depository. And then um, just my main website where I do a podcast a couple of times a week, usually interview a physiologist or scientist or doctor or, you know, an athlete. That's at uh, bengreenfieldfitness.com. And I usually, like I said, I'll, I'll usually write a couple of articles a week over there as well. So hopefully it gives people some stuff to play with. And if people want to reach out to you as a personal trainer, is it through the same website? Uh, actually, that's uh, bengreenfieldcoaching.com. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming. If, uh, if you make it to London again, let me know. I'd, be, uh, I'd love to take you around. And uh, Hopefully, we'll get you back at some point in the future because there's so much more we'd love to ask. But um, we'll get your books to make sure we can fill in the blank in the meantime. Sick, man. Sounds great. Thanks, Ben. All the best. Ooh. Just <sighs> taken there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I just.
speaking a foreign language at times. <laughs> Do you know anything? I yeah, I because I, I could have so many questions. Could have talked to hours really, but he's, he's clearly crazy, uh, crazy busy. But yeah, interesting that. I should have, we should have, it would have been good actually to talk more about his actual lifestyle, whether, because if you're constantly coming into touch with all of this information and all of these products and ways of living, like, does he get up and just every, every minute of his day is something else to do with productivity, to do with health and fitness or like, you know, does he, does he just have a pizza sometimes? Does he, you know, Schedule it in, schedule in a pizza, but then work out all of the nutrients on that so he can balance it against, you know, it's just, I, tell you, I always think, I, I suppose it's personality types, isn't it? Um, but, you know, someone like me, I just, that, that kind of like sort of structure and having to think about all those things, I'd, I'd find just overwhelming. It's like, exhausting. I find, it, diffi- I find it difficult, you know, like if you've got a routine, adding something else into that routine uh, or, or or having to process more information like the whole that whole scientific method of um uh you know thesis antithesis and then synthesis like of of, of constantly evolving um an idea but te- make sure you're testing them in the right way to make sure mm. that all the variables are right so it is ge- producing a genuine improvement in your health or your productivity or your well-being and then building that into it and then just keep doing that. I like the idea of going, just tell me to do that and I'll do that. And if it works, <laughs> great. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, so, yeah, I, that's what I want. Is it microwave in three minutes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But that's the, the um, that stuff we were talking about sleep, I think was really interesting because I, uh, I'm reading a book at the moment um, called Sleep Smarter, I think it is. And it talks about some of those things. Um, you know, uh, sunlight and you know, grounding yourself with the earth as well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't fully understand that the like the, the benefits of it, but it's crazy if that's that is true. You know, if it is beneficial, something so simple. I suppose I, I don't. The thing is, how much are we? How much have we evolved beyond our? You know, our natural programming, even if there is such a thing as natural programming. Like, does the, you know, like, it's obvious that we, you know, that the human bodies are evolved to, you know, wake up with the sun and go to bed when it's nighttime. You know, that, that, that's kind of like obvious. You can, mm. you can kind of, you can work, work as a, as a piece of common sense. It's obvious that we, you know, uh, we should drink like, you know, plenty of water and, and uh, you know, eat like, healthy food, you know, with naturally, naturally grown food and things like that, you know, without pesticides and stuff like that. But then things like that, where it's like, you know, your, your, your feet, like skin on ground contact, um, it, it kind of feels common sense, but it, it also has that air of spirituality about it that makes you go, ah, ah, really? I, mean, I, would, I wouldn't say it feels common sense, but... Well, the no, charge of the uh... you could, well no, no 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 I don't mean on that level I mean that that I think you're adding a veneer of science to something to to give a, a scientific explanation to something that feels very tree huggery. Like, yeah yeah it does isn't it? That's it you're you're adding you're you're, you're going I I can't say you know I can't say to you go out and hug a tree or go out and sit or you know this whole thing about forest bathing 
Like, why the fuck are you calling it forest bathing to give it this idea that there's some scientific element to it? What's, what's forest walk? bathing? Or what? It's just walking in the fucking woods. <laughs> the, the, the bullshit language people come up with to try and like make something science, sound scientific. I'm not saying that he's done that. I'm just saying just generally, like, forest bathing. Like, it means just taking a walk in the woods. That's all that means. <laughs> because it kind of, you know, oh, there, you know, the, it, it has, like, a you know, percentage increase in productivity. and the, Everyone knows that going for a walk is a good idea, especially in nature. Like, that, you, you don't have to... Yeah. You don't have to add a scientific veneer over it, you know, in order to do it. Whenever that happens, I always feel like it's someone trying to justify to a boss or someone else <laughs> why they're doing it. There's that element, isn't there? Uh, it's, it, They've been jogging in the woods and they're trying to say... <laughs> I'm forest bathing. Uh, <laughs> I'm forest bathing. Hmm, you're washing uh, down in something. Yeah, but you seem to be just in that car park area. Surely you're going to outside <laughs> of the car park area. Um... I'm surprised you haven't heard of forest bathing. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I, I think I, I don't live in Brighton. No, it's not a Brighton thing. Oh, oh, Brighton will come up with a load more bollocks than that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. Where you just think, okay, it, it's probably good for your body to touch the grass and touch the ground because you know it 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 connects you back with. This is where I start sounding like a hippie. Uh, it connects you to the earth in a way that, you know, when you're walking around on concrete or in shoes and things like that, the, the, there is, you know, it, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> this is very unscientific and it is making me sound like a hippie. But I think I think I think it's right. I don't know whether it's because of fucking ions and all that other stuff. Um, but I think there's definitely something definitely something about like sitting on some grass and lying on some grass and you know, walking in the woods and that just make it just feels feels better don't you am i standing you just let me talk aren't you just let me talk and say weird shit you basically if you, you're floor bathing <laughs> uh, i'm uh, yeah earth immersing it's earth uh, immersing yeah. yeah earth immersion yeah i like that but I mean, that's something which I still haven't done it, even though I now know it, because it's just—it's quite weird. To, it's quite unusual to find time to go and sit well, outside for me. That's what makes it weird, isn't it? What makes it, what makes it weird is the fact that you have to specify a time to do it if you're working all day. So you're yeah. going to go, okay, what are you? Where are you off to? Like, if you're especially working, <laughs> like, where are you off to? I'm just going to go outside and take my shoes off and walk around on the grass for twenty minutes. Like, people are like, what the fuck has happened to him? Like, that's, that's the difficulty. It's very difficult. It's much easier to go, oh, I'm going to go sit outside and have my lunch. Or I'm going to go sit outside and take a call, phone call outside or something like that. Because, like, you know, you can get your vitamin D from the sun and, and everything else like that. You know, you can build that into it. Whereas you've got to go, all right, I've got to go. It's like, it's like trying to, like, walk a dog. Like, you've got 20 minutes to walk a dog. I've got to find a you know, green patch of, of something um, and, you know, finish up my business uh in in 20 minutes or whatever which is weird which is a weird thing to do like you know mm. you don't put that in your calendar okay well at nine o'clock i've got a got a couple of sales calls at uh, 10 o'clock i've got some like copy i'm gonna write 11 o'clock stand outside or uh, you're in the, with shoes off with a bit of grass for 20 minutes but i like the fact because I, w- I wonder if he was bare fit during that interview because i love the fact that he was just going for a walk while on the call and it's it's great idea actually. How many meetings do you have? How many calls where you could be walking? 
I did this thing. I, do you know what? I did this thing um, uh, with a uh, previous client, um, and it was called School of the Wild. And what they what what they did is basically they took teams out, and it's just really simple. They took teams out and they just sat around a campfire. Again, this is very Brighton, but um, and they used things in nature in order to to make points. And they did really like simple things, like just sitting around a campfire and talking about stuff. Um, really, really basic things. And you just like the, the difference it made being out in nature and it being open in terms of the way that everyone like behave with each other. Well, it, it was genuinely um, uh, interesting to see the difference that it made. And I, 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 we did that for like three or four hours. And I noticed a definite improvement in like uh, lowering stress level and increasing creativity and like and, and, and sort of positivity as well. And that's just from sitting outside around a bloody campfire, um, you know, which is probably like if you said to me, oh, would you like to come and sit around a campfire? And I'd be like, fuck off, hippie. I'm not, you know, there's no way I'm going to do that, especially if someone gets a guitar out or something. Um, but th I think I think there is a uh, again. This, I don't. There's no, there's no, uh, I'm not interested in the science around it. I just. I, it feels as though it's uh, it's good. To, but it must be more difficult for you because, like, being in London, like that's not that's not a, an easy thing to do. There's parks everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 lots of space. There's lots of green. I think if you lived somewhere like New York, Manhattan, it would be a lot tougher because kind of the grid system means that there aren't the same number of trees and parks that you get here but yeah i mean there's so much green space in london yeah no but would you would you like like after we've had this call would you walk to a green space take your shoes off and walk around it for 20 minutes i might i might have a lunch outside you see a lot of people that are around in parks having the sandwiches don't with you with their shoes off no with the shoes off but then you could just sit you could just lean on your elbow I think, but it doesn't I think, go through your elbow. It has to go through your feet. <laughs> it doesn't. It does. It has to go through your feet. Why? Why are you so anti-barefoot? Oh, no, like, <laughs> it's got to go through your feet. It doesn't count if it's not. You can't put your elbow on the floor. Go, oh, it's the same thing. It's the You're same not arm. a battery. You haven't got the top of your head the positive and then <laughs> the bottom of your foot the negative. <laughs> but yeah, do better. He's gonna do it. He's gonna. He's gonna get hippie with us. And go and lounge around every day, and and whether they you notice a difference as well. Wow, we. I know. Can't, can't, how long are we talking? This has been this has been quite a long intro. Yeah, this is the outro. Outro. We're on the outro. Yeah, we're on the outro. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think wow. that wraps us up, doesn't it? Let's yeah, let's all give does. ourselves a hug and bathe in the bad boy goodness. Um, but Ben, we we've been wanting to get Ben on for about three years haven't we so um it proves that we can get people that we want eventually so if there's anyone that you want us to interview in the Wind future them down yes. though. <laughs> yeah. and i genuinely thought the previous time he'd listened to the podcast and decided not to come on <laughs> <laughs> so it's great that he did but yeah if there, if there are any guests you'd like us to get on um do Email me, david at badboyrunning.com, or get in the Facebook group and tag us. Um, we've actually got, we, I've interviewed Chris Holton, who's one of the do-badders, about sleep. That's coming up in a few weeks, where he gets into a lot more about the brain, power of the brain, power of sleep, recovery, all of that stuff. So that's something to look forward to. Um, 
Yeah, any episodes you'd recommend, JD, if people like this one? Uh, I'm trying to think of something we've talked about uh, in terms of... Re- the first Reedy McGregor one was yeah, to do with nutrition. Yeah, I the, the most obvious um, uh, one to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, 80-20, Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, Matt Fitzgerald. If, if, um, if you want to do more training, we did talk about nutrition a little bit as well. He's really good on that. We don't do that much, actually, on nutrition really well, do we I, is, I think with with a lot of interviews you talk about nutrition quite a lot in terms of your you i think you always ask and we incorporate it in yeah you incorporate it quite a lot into uh into what other what people's nutrition are in order for them to sustain whatever it is that they're doing yeah true and actually re- remembering now zach bitters when he broke the 100 mile records that was really interesting where he talks about how he changed um his nutrition based on the build-up to big races, big events, and it, it did change throughout the year, so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you like this episode, please do rate and review us. Get on iTunes and leave us some reviews because they help us get visibility with people like Ben. And uh, I guess thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you later. Fuck you, buddy. It's weird. They, 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 it's bloody nightmare getting around London now. They're closing down loads of stuff. So, um, if, oh, you, well. if you want, if you want to change a bank, you have to get out a monument, walk all the way overground the bank, and then go all the way through their crazy I, maze I'm, to get to. I'm absolutely sure going overground from bank to monument is quicker than walking whatever that route that you walk from bank to monument underground is insane i'm to, sure i'm sure you do a lap of the circle line in the process <laughs> but you've got to you've got to then do that whole route once you get to bank you've got to then do that oh, whole do you? Route oh, you still have to do <laughs> from the other side because it's one way oh 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 okay oh god i think it's because the the escalator's down rather than it being Oh, okay. COVID-related, but I'm, I'm assuming they've taken the opportunity to... It's, like, load... done with, it's like a Victoria. Victoria, you used to be able to go into Victoria Station, uh, Victoria Chief Station, go down the, the escalators, and then you'd be on the... Um, you'd basically be on the tube. And they've turned it... They've kind of created this massive oh, one-way... Like, you're walking for ages before you get to the train because it's always yeah. so... But when you come out... It's you come out and you're on the other side of the road and you like there's this entrance now that is so and you you come out and you're like where am i like this, <laughs> i can't actually see the station of that london, far away london changes so quickly as well he's like what like what where, where'd that <laughs> building come from like what the where hell the like, what, <laughs> yeah, well, what where is everything like yeah Right. We should, um, should have included this bit in our. Uh, <laughs> in the there's call. a lovely little bonus for you there, Nick. You lucky devil. <laughs> have fun.